time of uh, just listening to your word today, Lord. I pray that you are here with us and that you would just speak to us through the words in the Bible, Lord, and that we would hear, Lord, that we wouldn't just listen, but we would hear. I just thank you for this Sunday morning with everybody that's uh, listening online or here, Lord, just trying to get a little bit more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, probably wondering why there's chairs up here. Maybe you're not. Maybe I'm just thinking you are. Um, so part of our uh, annual business meeting is the opportunity to vote uh, a man in position to be an elder at this church, which uh, is an amazing thing to, uh, to even... Uh, possibly consider when it comes to small churches that God would bring godly men to small churches that we would be able to add to uh, the leadership, the spiritual leadership of uh, this church. Um, and so um, have we done that yet? No, we have not because that's part of our annual uh, meeting. But um, I, I thought it'd be a good idea for us to at least get to know um, who this guy is um, because you just don't vote anybody up into an elder position. Um, so uh, there will be a message, 1 Timothy chapter 3, in case you're wondering if you want to turn there, that, that's where we'll be. But before we do that, uh, we're going to get to know Craig and Diane Weaver. So you guys can come up, and then you can take one of these. Uh, well, you're going to have to take two of this. You'll have to sit in one, she'll have to sit in the other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does, yeah. Um, so... Um, I'm going to ask them some very uh, tough theological questions. I sent them a list, but we're not going off of that. Just kidding. We are. Um, so, yeah. Um, if you don't know Craig and Diane Weaver, you really should. Uh, they are an awesome couple. Um, and if you ever want some good barbecue, go to this guy right here. Um, and so, first time I ever had barbecued turkey was thanks to Craig. So, uh, thank you for introducing me. Um, but Craig uh, and Diane also um, are over our outreach uh, ministry. So, all of the movies, all of the um, uh, marshmallow s'mores, s'mores. <laughs> uh, thanks to the God-given creativity uh, that they have, um, they've introduce this to uh, this church, which has been awesome for the community. We've seen a lot of different people come out to it, and we've been able to minister. So um, <clears throat> if you want to uh, join in on helping them with outreach, uh, they'd love to, to talk with you. So, yeah. Um, so here comes the questions. Obviously, they're married. Um, how long have you two been married? <laughs> 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 38 years. Wow, 38 years. Okay. Yeah. 39 in February. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you were how old when you met? 16. Sixteen. Sixteen. Oh, that's right. He's older than I am. I know. Okay. I got him when he was young. <laughs> I, I think people are going to want to hear this conversation, so put the mic oh, like sorry. closer to. Okay. She's, All right. she's older than I am. That's what I said. <laughs> So for the folks at home that couldn't hear the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So typically you'll ask a person what they think their giftings are, right? Uh, but as, they, as you two have been married for 38 years, I'm sure you've discovered what each other's giftings are. So I don't want you to answer what your giftings are. I want you to answer what her giftings are and then switch. No pressure. I, I think um, Diane's probably gifted, especially at administration. She's good at putting stuff together. Um, an organization drives her insane, and it doesn't bother me quite so much. So um, she, she can't stand just flinging stuff together. Um, she's got to know all the ins and outs of it. So administration's a big thing for her, making sure it's done, and it's done in a manner that glorifies God, and it's orderly, um, since we have a God of order. Um, Diane is excellent at that. She's also very good at teaching. When she gets into something, um, she digs into the word deep. And uh, at our prior church, she was involved in the women's ministry there. And I know she's been involved here in, in the discussion they have. But she's, she's very good, gifted at teaching as well. So. Um, Craig's is service. His heart is service. Um, if there's ever a need, he's one of the first that is going to be asking, how can I help? What can I do? If your car's broken down, he's got his tools and he's ready to go over. If you have a need in your home to hang up something, Craig is the one that is ready to do that. And so for him, it's that heart that God's given him of yeah. service. Yeah. So I'd, service. Rather, I'd rather barbecue, though, if you want to get together a barbecue. That's a lot more fun than working on your car or hanging stuff up. Your car. <laughs> is that a spiritual gift, barbecuing? Can it be? I think it has to be, don't yeah. you think? Well, I mean, Elijah, right? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. Good point. Yeah. Um, let, I, I will say this about the two of them. They, they complement each other really well. Um, and seeing them do ministry together has been just a, a, a joy for, for many of us. And so um, uh, it, it's just nice to see uh, ministry-minded couples. And so... Um, hang out with them for a little bit, for sure. Get, get to know them. Um, but why I did that is asking what each other's gifts are is because sometimes it's hard to talk about ourselves without sounding prideful or boastful. But after being with each other for 38 years, I would think you would have to know each other's gifts, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, when did you commit your life to the Lord? You can go first. Yours is longer. <laughs> How much do you want? I mean, I can give you the date. So October 11th, 2001. It's very clear when it happened. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit says, I don't know you, you kind of listen. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was five or six. And honestly, it's been long enough ago now that I don't remember for sure which one of those it was. But I know I was young. Um, I had uh, six. I had the, the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. And my mother had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. So um, I know you can't inherit somebody's, your salvation from someone else, um, but they certainly can lay the foundation for you to where it makes it very easy. Yeah. So at a very young age, I didn't know all the ins and outs of it, but I knew for sure that I needed a Savior. So um, I was six years old um, when I received Christ. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, I, I think typically you would expect just uh, the person who is, is being... Uh, or the candidate for being an elder up here, but um, if they're not in sync, there's no chance of Craig really being voted in to be an elder. They have to be on the same page. And so 
uh, it, it's nice to get to know Craig for sure, but to know both of them. And so that's, that, that's what the goal is and the intent in, in sitting down and, and talking with them. And, and I'm sure you have questions of your own as well, um, and I'm sure they'd love to, to answer. Um, but I, I gave them uh, questions, and there were a few of them that they could expound on. But I think uh, the next one definitely, um, I, I, this is not one of the ones I told them they should expound on because uh, the gospel, it should be so ingrained within our hearts and minds that it, it, it should take really no time at all to, to describe what the gospel is. So um, being that I gave you the question ahead of time, and there's two of you, uh, do you want to answer it together or do you want to answer it individually? I knew the answer as soon as I read it. I went, it's the good news. (laughs) That's what the gospel is. It's the good news that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back for his church. And so you can't get any better than that. It's cool that that we got to do this after our worship time because I think we lined it out pretty succinctly in Rock of Ages, frankly. Hmm. Um, Not by anything that we can do, not by works of our hands, or no matter how sad we are about our sin or... Um, no matter how zealot we are in our search for God, um, we can't get to God without the finished work of Jesus Christ. Um, all that other stuff we do, um, great stuff, but uh, hell won't burn any hotter for people who choose not to do that than it will for people that do that apart from Christ, to deny what Christ did for us. Uh, so um, we're sinners. Uh, Christ died uh, living, you love me. Dying, you saved me. Buried, you carried our sins far away. And then raising, you justified us. So um, that's that's the gospel as far as I'm concerned. In the hymn version. I yeah. like hymns. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I really like hymns. Yeah, he really loves hymns. <laughs> um. Well, the good stuff. It makes it easy to do what I just did. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> right? right? Somebody yeah. else far more eloquent than I can put it together. What do they call that? Spiritual plagiarism, maybe? like you Absolutely. Just, yeah, yeah. Jesus' name, right? The wheel's uh, there. I don't have to reinvent it. <laughs> Okay, so what is your life verse and why is it your life verse? <laughs> uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. That became my life verse after my heart attack. <clears throat> so in October of 2018, I had a heart attack. And it was pretty bad. But in that there was no damage. It was a massive heart attack. And they said, we're shocked you're alive. Um, You shouldn't be here, but you are. And every time I go in to see my cardiologist, he says, you surprise me every time. How great you look, how wonderful your heart sounds. You, you have, there's nothing wrong with your heart. And I went, God put me here for, he left me here for a reason. My job Whatever it is that God's got planned for me is not done. And so I just kept going back to that verse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of cling to uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 6 and 7. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, or thank, supplication and thanksgiving. Uh, make your request known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So um, I. We, we really haven't ever planned life. It just kind of happens to us. So praise God, he's been good to us. Um, we've never really wanted for anything. And um, well, it's, it's been uh, 
then take you, then promise that we're not going to go through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff, and some of it is quite severe on this side of on this side of glory. But uh, yeah, but if you trust in the Lord, the other one is, is Proverbs three, three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make your path straight. Um, maintain your focus, and you'll go through stuff, but God will see you through it, and He'll give you supernatural peace about it. Um, and that's that's been our experience, frankly, with almost our whole life. So, um. yeah. So, um, many of you, um, <clears throat> you you may have experience with larger churches. You may have been a part of a, a mega church, as they call it. You're familiar with how a, a different uh, mega churches compared to a small church. Uh, lots of moving parts in a big church. Uh, when it comes to a small church, not so many moving parts. You have moving parts, but there's not as many as in, in a large church. And so, uh, but nevertheless, both large church and small church is the local church. Um, and like uh, we, we sing, uh, build your kingdom here. Like we, we are the church, like whether we're big or small. Um, but when it comes to this local church where, where we're situated, um, where we're situated, obviously smack dab in uh, a community houses surrounding us school right there fire department and so there's there's got to be some aim to the local church um, in three minutes <laughs> what would you say the aim of the local church is <laughs> I, I think our aim has to be where the where the hands and the feet of Jesus to these people in this area God's put us in this area to minister to this community um, this is our uh, Judea. So the Great Commission says we, we, minister, we go to Judea, Samaria, and then the entire parts of the earth. We have ministries that we're invested in that help us with the latter parts. Um, but Judea is our, is our focus, and that's why I think we were concerned with outreach. Um, there are broken people over here, and I think most of you know we just live down the street. Yeah. Um, so we have a dog in the fight. Um, if, we can get, if we can get Jesus to all these people, uh, my neighborhood gets a lot better. So uh, it works great for me. If we can get them all to, to worship the, the King of Kings, um, my life is going to be better and easier. So I don't have to worry about leaving stuff out front. Maybe it won't get stolen anymore. <laughs> but uh, but I, I think uh, in that, uh, we're, we're to lift Jesus up and make him none of these people, um, proclaim the gospel, disciple those people to proclaim the gospel, uh, and um, minister, meet, find out where God sends us to meet people's needs, minister to people. Ministry isn't just meeting their need is one thing. Um, letting God meet their needs through you is ministry. Yeah. Um, if we just go out and feed the hungry, um, the world will do that. The social workers will do that. That's not ministry. It's, it's letting God work through you to meet their need, and, and it's far more than, than what they need to fill their belly. Um, they're, they're dying and going to hell, and we have the cure. Uh, like we just sang about in a hymn. <laughs> yes, in a hymn. The other stuff was good, Ian. Don't get me wrong. It was great. I, the, the worship time was great as always. It's just that sort of lends itself to, to my narrative, so I'm using it. Yeah, go for <laughs> or it. Or actually, you know, our narrative, I hope. But uh, so it's our job as Gray Avenue Christian Church to tell these people about Jesus, yeah. bring them in here and minister to them and get them to tell other people about Jesus. And uh, once the last person hears, then we can all go home. Um, then we get the reward. <laughs> yeah. But once we tell the last person, yeah. the trump sounds and, and we get to go to our reward. So um, we're working for the reward. We're close enough to the end 
Uh, we're working on the reward now. So, uh, yes, we're closer than most of you, actually. So, uh, Churches today have fallen away from their responsibility in that um, churches today tend to be entertainment venues. And that's not the responsibility of the church to entertain you. The responsibility of the church is to make you uncomfortable. Truth is hard to deal with when you're living in sin. When you're sinning and you're hearing how you're not supposed to sin, it should be that thorn stuck in your paw, your finger underneath your nail. It should be something that makes you a little uncomfortable, a lot uncomfortable. And it's the church's responsibility to teach truth even when it hurts, not if, because it's going to hurt, but when it hurts. And to stop entertaining its people and to get back to what God wants us to be and that's his people proclaiming his gospel, proclaiming his truth. Yeah. You can drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, what I love about the, these two is that whether it's in a board meeting or whether you're just talking to them or whatever it is, they will always mention just exalt the name of Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. You know, and, and I've, I've been inspired and encouraged by that because um, with, with a lot of, like Diane was saying, a lot of churches trying to keep up with the fads and programs of the world, it, it's hard not to get caught up in that as, as a local congregation, as a local church, because our world says bigger, better, but I think God is in, in that local, small church, uh, not with the fog machines and, and lights and all that stuff, but um, exalt the name of Jesus. You guys preach it and live it. And, and so um, I would encourage you after uh, service just to ask them some more questions, uh, maybe barbecue questions or, you know, how did, how did the beef wellington turn out? <laughs> um, but nice. I'm so glad you brought some to share. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, thank you guys. Thank you. And uh, come January 9th, uh, just, just pray. Pray before then, obviously that God would direct you on, on, on how to vote. Um, it sounds funny that we're talking about voting, but whatever. Um, we, we, we want God to ultimately uh, place Craig in this position. Um, and he's prayed about it, and, and I hope still praying about it, praying through it. And so, um, but uh, yeah, that's our interview. And now i got to preach. So <laughs> thank you, guys. Um, so 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, as you're hopefully already there, you can probably tell that Paul is already talking about overseers or elders, and it seems strange to be talking about a message like this, especially after Christmas. One would think that they'd have an elder preach, or you'd have your youth pastor or, or someone else preach, or uh, you, you would move on to, to something different, but as I was praying about it... Um, I was thinking, man, this is such an appropriate time for us to really dig into 1 Timothy chapter 3, especially with January 9th coming up in that um, we get to vote on a man to be in an elder position. And we want to know, based off of God's word, and God's word alone, not my opinion, not one of the elders' opinions, what it means to find 
uh, an elder, to choose an elder. Uh, Paul encouraged Timothy and Titus both uh, to appoint men as elders in the church, but it, it is much more than just saying eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> it's really digging into their lives and understanding, do these men meet the qualifications that Paul has set forth in Scripture, in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus. And so, um, now, uh, are, are you all there? If you are there, go ahead and stand and we'll read together. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through, through 7. Uh, it says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Lord, this is your word. We pray that you would speak to us through it. God, may this message be your message, and may my words be your words this morning. God, we commit this time to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's face it, being any type of leader in the church, whether deacon, elder, or children's ministry lead, or uh, greeter, or sound guy, let's face it, any type of leadership role in the church is not to be taken lightly. And when you take a leadership role within the church lightly, you are taking a leadership role the wrong way. Uh, this thing we call church coming together and, and investing in people's lives and ministering to the community around us is not to be taken haphazardly. It's, it's to be taken with an extreme amount of weight. Uh, leadership is not a light thing. And no matter if you're the pastor or the custodian, there is an amount of responsibility that each individual within the church carries, whether you're passing out bulletins or running sound. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever role you find yourself in within the church is to be done with all of your heart, soul, and mind, because you're ultimately doing it for the Lord. Uh, but my aim for this message, uh, honestly, is for you to be able to evaluate the existing leaders within the church. Myself, Ian, Cliff, preferably Craig, uh, any leader honestly, when they step foot in that leadership role, cannot be closed off. Uh, you become an open book. Your life becomes visible to all. And if, if you try to hide something, your sin will find you out, like Scripture says. But my aim is for us to be about... To, uh, hold up. <laughs> it's for you to be able to evaluate. Uh, but I did not say sniff their sin out, Right? go up to these elders and, and find out their sin and, and figure out where their, their, their garbage is. and Don't do that. Like, let, let's face it, elder, pastor, deacon, we're all sinners. There's going to be sin somewhere. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to fall short. You're going to lose your patience. You're going to lose your self-control. But listen, the grace of God is near, right? And so 
don't go sniffing out their sin, but evaluate them. Evaluate us. And I have a feeling that our elders will come up to me after service and say, great, now people are looking at us. That's the goal. That is the goal. Because if you can't live an open life before the congregation, you shouldn't be in a leadership role. We need to be open and transparent. Listen, if you have a man in leadership, in eldership specifically, who cannot live an open life before the flock, you have a man who shouldn't be in leadership. I have a, a, a true story. I remember when I first got here, I had a, a conversation with a, an elder. Uh, and I remember sitting down with him and, and talking about eldership and what it means. And I, I remember giving him a book on elders, just like I've given uh, the guys today. I had given him a book on being an elder, and he read the book. He devoured the book, and I sat down with him, and, and he says, I hate that book now. And I said, what, what are you talking about? He says, everything I read in that book is the complete opposite of what, I've, what I'm currently doing. I'm not doing any of these things because I've never been trained to do these things. Nobody's ever taught me how to do these things. But the next thing that he said shocked me. He said, the only reason I took an eldership position is in this church is because they needed someone to fill the position. You don't do that. It's dishonoring to God. It is not what God has called us to do, just to fill a spot. If you've been called to be an elder, yes. But if you haven't, if you're just taking up space in the elder positions, dangerous. May our church have men who desire to be in leadership roles because God has called them to it. Amen? Then we get to the Bible and we... We see these words like deacons and elders, and uh, it may be confusing to some. What's the difference, right? I've heard of this word deacon. I've heard of this word elder. What, what is the difference between them? Before we go any further into First Timothy, I, I want to, to just, in a nutshell, explain what a deacon and an elder is. A deacon are those who ultimately assist the elders in the church. Now, in the grand scheme of things, the, a, a deacon is a servant. And if you are in the church... Welcome to the deacon club, if you will. Uh, you're called to serve in some capacity, uh, not just to spectate. And the question may be asked, well, okay, are, are deacons only, uh, are they only men? No. Let me show you why. Because Paul, writing uh, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, he says, I commend to you our sister, sister, not brother, sister, Phoebe, a servant of the church. And Paul goes on to say why he commends Phoebe, but, but deacons are men and women, right? Uh, Phoebe was a lady, the translation of servant is ultimately in this uh, verse is deaconess. So yes, I believe both men and women are called to serve the church, to be deacons in the church. You don't hear us throwing that word out a, a whole lot, like, oh, you're a deacon here, or you're, you're a deaconess, you're servant. Right? I serve in this area, I serve... In that area. An elder, which I want to spend uh, our time this morning on, is, is uh, elders within the church, are those who are spiritual overseers of the church. Um, elder and pastor, uh, to, to be transparent, is uh, they're synonymous. They're the same. An elder should be able to shepherd people, 
spiritually, oversee them and, and protect their lives from sin or, or, or any type of uh, attack from the enemy, help them to understand scripture, to lead them through uh, trying times, tough times. But elders are those who uh, are men who that, excuse me, who have been called by God to lead spiritually. Um, and God has called, as we see in scripture, as we read, and we'll get further into it, God has called men to be elders within the church. Um, now, if we have issues with that, we've got to take it up with God. I didn't write this. He did. Uh, so, but elders have been called to shepherd. And yes, they deal with finances of the church. They deal with administration stuff of the church. But the elder's first role is to be a shepherd, to be a spiritual overseer. Uh, somebody that the congregants can call upon if they need prayer, or somebody that they can call when life is just a struggle. Uh, but to, to be a shepherd is their primary role. And with both roles, deacons and elders, we have to be careful uh, and we have to be prayerful when it comes to placing people in these roles. We can't just decide to put somebody in a role because we feel like. Now, the minute we do that, the minute we ultimately may find out that we have the wrong person in that role. Uh, these roles are to be carefully and prayerfully sought out, both by the existing leadership and the men who are prompted by the Spirit to fulfill that role. 1 Timothy 3.1 The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's a healthy desire. Uh, a healthy desire, meaning that these men desire it not because of position or prominence, but because God has called them to this role. God has placed a desire within their heart to fulfill this role. And it needs to be a desire. Uh, because when it becomes a place of prominence, I only want the position, I only want to be called an elder, I only want this power, uh, then you're in the wrong place. Being an elder is not about power. It is not about prominence. It is about serving the church. It is about shepherding the church. Not who's got their hands on the money in the church or who's got their hands on the profit and loss. It is about shepherding souls. That is the primary responsibility of being an elder. I remember when I was at Harvest, um, as a custodian, I was basically a fly on the wall with a lot of conversation, but I guess they call that eavesdropping. Um, I may have eavesdropped on a couple conversations, but one in particular, I remember this, this young girl in, uh, in the college-age ministry. She had just given her life to Christ. She was on fire for the Lord, absolutely on fire. And so she went to the campus pastor, and she, uh, I, I heard, uh, she asked, is there any way that I could be a lead teacher within the women's ministry? This young woman had just given her life to Christ. Yes, she was on fire. Uh, but as we'll see in Scripture, there's a dangerous, dangerous thing with putting a new convert into a ministry role like that. Uh, and I remember the response from the campus pastor. It, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, sure, because he was intimidated by this on fire, you know, individual. It was, well, have you thought about serving in kids ministry? perfect answer and maybe some of you are like that young woman you're thinking man I just want to I just want to you know be up here and do communion and well have you thought about children's ministry it's a good place to start 
And unfortunately, as time went on, uh, this young girl fell away from the Lord. It says in 1 Timothy 5.22, the NLT version, it says, Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Uh, There's some weight to that. See, aspiration in ministry accompanied with patience for placement in ministry is what a a church leadership slash congregation should look for. Aspiration in ministry accompanied with patience for placement in ministry is what we should be looking for, both as a leadership team and as a congregation. Uh, So what are the qualifications of an elder? Number one, uh, he sticks to God's word. He sticks to the word of God. Uh, Paul tells Titus something that he doesn't tell Timothy. In Titus 1.9, he says, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. A man may be able to meet all these other qualifications, but if he doesn't meet the qualification that is found in 1 Titus, excuse me, 1.9, if he does not meet that qualification, it does not matter if he meets all the other qualifications. If he does not hold firm to the word of God, what's the point of placing him in leadership, especially within a church? He must hold fast to the word of God. That's what we preach here. That's what we stand upon here. That is our foundation and our final authority. But what does this mean that he must stick to the word of God? It, it means that this leader, this elder, will stick to God's word instead of, instead of focusing on fads and programs of the church. How do we get bigger? How do we get better? How do we you know, get the latest fog machine in the house so everybody's just fogged out and Ian's still waiting for it. Uh, But he's not consumed with the fads and programs. He's consumed with God's word. How do we feed the sheep? There's a dangerous thing when all we're thinking about as a leadership team is the fads and programs. How do we keep up with the culture? But Paul goes on to tell Titus as taught. Uh, Now, being an elder, uh, you don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to have some seminary degree. Uh, If you look at the disciples in in Acts, you see that what was mentioned about them is that they were uneducated men. But guess what these people noticed about the disciples? That they had been with Jesus, right? Spending time with Jesus is honestly far better than any seminary degree you could ever earn. Jesus is it. (laughs) The Bible is it. You don't have to spend... A thousand, well, a thousand dollars would be cheap, I guess. More than a thousand dollars to go to some some seminary. Uh, but it means, what this means as taught is, it means that this elder or leader is, is ultimately being discipled by somebody, who has been trained by somebody, who has been taught the word of God by somebody, right? Why? Because Paul gives us uh, the why in the rest of the verse. He says, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Uh, The leadership team at any church should be on the front lines. They should be standing before the congregation, praying for the congregation, going to, 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 to battle in prayer for the congregation. See, the leadership team stands before the congregation, leading and guiding and protecting I remember, again, when I first got here, I got a call from a a former pastor, um, and in short, 
it was to say and tell me that he didn't know if he could believe all the things he had ever taught from God's word. God's word is truth and God's word does not return void. And when you preach God's word, let God's word do its work, but believe God's word because God's word is power. And, and for any elder or pastor who gets up here and preaches in something that he doesn't believe, he shouldn't be up here. So if the guy in the eldership at the church or in the elder position at the church does not believe in the word of God, he needs to be removed. Why he's even in that position when you know he doesn't believe the word of God is beyond me. But if he does not hold fast to the word of God, he does not need to be in that position. But the qualifications uh, keep going in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And they match up with Titus. And we're not going to get into Titus, but... Uh, Man, that clock's moving. Um, Titus and Timothy match up uh, perfectly, if you will. Uh, number two, the qualification is he must be above reproach. Reproach means that there is nothing to take hold of, ultimately meaning there is nothing for someone to accuse him of. Right? He lives above reproach. An example is, is this. Uh, a single woman needs a ride home and... This elder is approached by this woman, and this woman asks, well, can I get a ride? Uh, now, what if the elder says yes? The elder gives this single woman a ride, and somebody who doesn't know the, the, the elder or anything like this looks from an outsider's perspective. There's some dangerous waters that this person is treading at this point. Uh, to be above reproach means that there's nothing to be accused of. And so here's what I'm thankful for, because this has happened to me here before, and as much as I'd love uh, to give uh, people a ride home, uh, my call is to be above reproach. Uh, but I'm thankful for a congregation who looks out for their elders when it comes to that as well. Uh, who, who say, you know what, another uh, lady speaking, I'll, I'll give her a ride. Uh, let, let, let me handle this. See, church, you can help the elder and the pastor be above reproach as well. Uh, number three, the husband of one wife. Th this is why I truly believe that men are called to be elders because as Paul is writing to Timothy, he's saying the husband of one wife, right? The husband of one, in order to be a husband, in our culture, it's very chaotic right now. <laughs> um, but speaking of then, Paul is saying it's a guy. Like a husband is a man. And Paul is saying men you need to be of one wife. Uh, don't, don't be looking over here, looking over there. You need to be a one, uh, a, a, how did they say it? A one woman man. <laughs> That's it. Uh, don't be venturing off and into letting your eyes wander. And you, don't do that. Paul is saying the husband of one wife, uh, a.k.a. faithfulness, right? Faithfulness, old and respectable. Sober-minded is being able to think Clearly, there's not a lot of that uh, in our world today, being able to think clearly uh, with clarity. Uh, one of my pet peeves is when you're in a serious conversation or you have to have a serious conversation and the other person on the other end, all they can think about is making light of this conversation that you should have. See, I believe in humor and um, Many of you, I hope you can attest to that. Uh, but there has to be this clear thinking. There has to be this sober-minded 
righteousness. I love what one commentator said. He says, this does not mean the man does not have a sense of humor. Wearsby put it this way. He says, he knows the value of things and does not cheapen the ministry or the gospel message by foolish behavior. Sober-minded, able to think clearly, self-controlled. It means what it says. There's really no explanation on this. Self-controlled. He knows how to have self-control, which is one of the the fruits of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5.23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the last one, self-control. And respectable. In other words, orderly. Uh, Your life is not chaotic. It's not crazy. It's not all over the place. It's a well-ordered life. Number five, hospitable. Uh, Translated literally to mean love of strangers. Now, uh, this one is interesting because when we think of hospitality, we think of inviting people that we know over, right? It's easy to invite people that we know over to our house because we know them. But what about strangers? What about that person that you just met at church? Now, don't be weird and say, hey, you want to come over and have lunch? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But being able to say, hey, if you ever need a warm meal, if you ever need anything, you, you need to wash your clothes, you need to do this, whatever it is, my door is open. Being hospitable. It's not being closed off. It's not saying, no, can't come in. I don't want you, you know, your kids ruining my couch. No, it's saying my doors are open. R. Kent Hughes says, uh, Christians, Christians, notice how he says that. He doesn't say elders. He doesn't say leaders in, in specific. He says Christians. But then he says, and especially leaders, are not simply to wait for opportunities for hospitality, but are to pursue them. They are to do it without grumbling. That's the next part. And now I gotta wash the dishes after they leave, and now I gotta vacuum. I gotta make sure my house is all in order before these. You know, the, so stop grumbling. You're, we're called to to show hospitality. First Peter four nine it says, "Show hospitality to one another without grumbling." But this is ultimately where I believe the elder and his wife partner well together. Uh, my wife. Uh, does a good job with getting things ready for people to come over. I, on the other hand, just leave it how it is. It's fine. They won't care. Let's just say my wife has better taste and style and patience to host strangers that time. I'll welcome you in, but there may be a few dishes in the sink. Uh, Which, once an elder has guests in his home, right, this is the next thing he should be able to do. Believe it or not, he should be able to teach. I think when we get to this verse, we're thinking this man should be able to come up in front of a group of people and preach a message. While that is great to have within a congregation, I don't believe that's what Paul is speaking about. He's saying being able to teach the word of God to somebody who is right in front of you. It's also known as discipleship. Being able to disciple a person and say, hey, this is what this verse means. Or when you get somebody that comes up to you saying, I don't understand this. Can you help me? Yeah, I can help you because I'm sticking to the word of God. I've studied the word of God. But he should be able to teach, point number six, which brings us back to Titus 1, 9. But ultimately, being able to teach means that he must be a student of God's word. He must be a student of God's word. Paul goes on to say in 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, he lays out some other 
qualifications that honestly are very straightforward. He says, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not a lover of money. How I wish some churches would hang this verse over the office door of their church. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle. Not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. See, we, we need elders who are living up to these verses. Number seven is found in verse four through five. He leads his household well. It says he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone who does not know how to manage his household, how will he care for God's church? Now, don't try to get Ian's address and peek through his window. And if his kids are jumping on the couch, you go, man, he's not managing his household well. Don't do that. Uh, I'm sure you've jumped on a few couches in your lifetime. <laughs> But listen, I, I think when it comes to this verse, there's a lot of, of elders and, and their wives included who, who do a good job at putting on their highlight reels. You know, they come to church and their kids, when they get to church, are really in order and they're not bouncing off the walls everywhere. And they're like, man, they really got their, their kids under control. But then when you get home, when you get home, that's a totally different story. Here's what I believe. What arises in the home life arises in the church life, Right? Because resolving conflict, does it happen at home? Yeah. Does it happen at church? Yeah. <laughs> what about building unity? Does it happen at home? Yeah. Does it happen at church? Yeah. Maintaining love. Or what about serving each other? See, these are the challenges that arise in the home life and the church life. And I believe if the church leader leads successfully at home, Chances of him leading successfully at the church is highly probable. It's very likely that this man will lead successfully. Number eight, we're almost done. Doing great. Uh, spiritual maturity. <clears throat> Verse six, like I mentioned, he must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit or fall into the, to the condemnation of the devil. No matter how charismatic this person is, no matter how great their personality is, if the maturity in the Lord is not in this man... He should not be placed in an elder role. If there's no maturity, spiritual maturity in the Lord, then this person should not be placed in a leadership role. Uh, one thing I, I love about the way we select an elder here is that you as congregants, and for those of you watching online that can't be with us, is that you get to decide. You get to decide if this man is going to be a, a spiritual leader. Hopefully by uh, prayer you, you've you know that God is leading you to vote yes or, or even no. Uh, but there's something that has to happen. You have to get to know this man's spiritual maturity. Uh, because, let's be honest, Craig could be the most spiritually immature person in the room, and you just don't know it. And the only way for you to know it is to get to know him. Like many of us have, we've taken the time, and thankfully, Craig is not spiritually immature, uh, but I, I believe each one of our current elders, honestly, uh, they've displayed this quality of spiritual maturity, and I'm thankful for that. I, I am incredibly grateful that these men are serious about their walks with the Lord. It's not just saying eh, it's a 
thing that I'm involved in or, you know, the next organization. No, they're invested because God has put them here and their spiritual maturity shows it. And I really believe what it comes down to is that they recognize that church is not just a Sunday thing. You, you can ask them, is church just a Sunday thing? It's 24-7. It, it requires times where you don't want to answer that phone or you don't really want to respond to that text message or you fill in the blank, but the call is there. The last one, uh, number nine, well thought of by outsiders. Verse seven, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. I'm not very creative at my points. It's just straight from the Bible. <laughs> so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Here's the, the thing. These characteristics, these qualities, these qualifications, um, they're not just for the elder. If we look at it in, in, in this sense, every Christian should seek to display what, what Paul is saying. Paul is in context talking about placing leaders within the church, but when it comes to our lives, may we demonstrate these things. Being above reproach, having self-control, being sober-minded. Uh, these are characteristics that we should embody as believers. And the reason for displaying these is because of what Jesus has done for us. And when people see you, do they say, oh, that's just, you know, that, that's just another person. Or do they say, man, what is up with that person? There's something different. Their, their, their character is much different. The, the way they handle situations is much different. And guess who you can point to after that? Jesus. Jesus has transformed my character, your character. Now, let's be honest in closing. All of these qualities, characteristics, qualifications are extremely weighty. And for anybody aspiring to be in, in some type of leadership role, might have the question, well, that disqualifies me then because I don't match any of these. My, I'm just, I'm, I know who I am. I fall short. How do I accomplish this? Not by your own power. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live differently and that we can, we can have these qualities ingrained into us. And maybe you look at these and you're already thinking, I've checked that one off, I, I'm not there. Check that one off, I'm not there either. I, I've, I've literally fallen. You've seen that commercial, right? Where in the infomercial, the chain thing, got the button and the person falls and they say, what, I've fallen and I can't get back up? Oftentimes, you hear people mocking this commercial, right? Because, I mean, as a kid, I would say, and I'm sure you've said it yourself. But the truth is, is if you've fallen in character, in life, Jesus can help you back up. But he's not a button that you click, or he's not this, you know, emergency hotline or the nurse hotline. Jesus is, is near. And if you have fallen, Jesus can help you back up and all you have to do is call on him Lord I've fallen and I need your help getting back up and maybe you have fallen today in some area of your life and you're thinking there's no way Jesus can lift me out of this Jesus can lift you out of it Jesus can lift you up and he can set you straight so qualifications as, as a elder there you go <laughs> uh, now obviously we could spend a, a, a lot more time in that, but Craig and Diane took up all of our time. Um, just kidding, they didn't. Um, 
But I would encourage you to study these verses and know for yourself. Don't let it stop here. Keep digging in. Keep understanding what Paul was writing to Timothy and Titus about. And then come January 9th, you can have a better idea of what that means, what you're voting, who you're voting for. Uh, Next week, we'll have kind of a standalone message. And the week after that um, will be our our vision Sunday. Um, And then we'll jump back into 1 Corinthians. But um, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Uh, I know Christmas season and holiday season is a busy time for everybody. And sometimes this is neglected. Uh, Even when it's not the holiday season, this is highly neglected. Get into the Word of God. Uh, you'll find truth. You'll find what you need to, to get through life. You wonder how they remember their life first because they've studied. And uh, many of you have done the same thing, but become familiar with God's Word. Become familiar with it. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll pray and close out in the chorus. Lord, thank you your grace, God. When, when it comes to life, we have all fallen in, in some regard. But Lord, I'm so thankful that, that every time we have, God, you've been so near to us to pick us back up. As soon as we call on you, there's no hesitation in your mind, God. You pick us up again. Lord, I pray for those that are in here and those that are watching online. Lord, if they have fallen, would you just remind them that you have the strength pick them up again so Lord I pray that you would just help us to know you better help us to spend time in your word and to seek you constantly Jesus we thank you for this time and it's in your great and mighty name that we pray amen Hello all and thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.